Welcome to Life Hurts, God Heals. I'm one of your hosts, Kurt Plagel. And I'm your other host, Kim Ward. And today we're switching roles again. I get to interview Kurt. And we will see how that goes. I might get a couple questions in. We'll see. You know, sometimes you open the box and the little monkey jumps out and you can't get the thing back in. <laughs> so what's on your mind? I've been thinking a lot about the idea of invitation. I know that we ended our last season, season four, with this topic of obligation versus invitation. When we were uh, interviewing your friend and my friend, (laughs) uh, Katie Roth. But I think there's more to this subject of God inviting us into himself, into his work. And I think that's what this is about. How do we do that? How do we practice looking at our lives and everything that happens through the lens of God inviting us to be with him, right? What we would call quiet time, like our our devotional time with God in prayer, in reading scripture, in silence and solitude, in fasting, in whatever that looks like. We do that to tune into him internally so that we can also tune into him externally, Because whether it's internal or external, God wants us with him. It's an invitation to be with him. That is really good. I know just from talking uh, with some of the people that, you know, I do some spiritual direction stuff with. Well, define. Define spiritual spiritual direction. direction. Oh, jeez. I don't want to assume that what I'm saying everyone understands. Yeah. I want to make sure, you know, I define my terms well. Oh, and this is actually one that you know the definition better than I do. So, if you wouldn't mind. So, yeah, spiritual direction is the idea of being present with God. A better way of maybe saying it is living out of the overflow of who God is to us. If God is gracious, right? He's a yeah. God of grace, and that means divine favor. Grace mm-hmm. is divine, unmerited favor. If God is a God of grace, then he is gracious to us. Mm -hmm. So spiritual direction is the practice of seeking to be in tune with him and aware of him in every moment and receiving from him all that he has for us. Because whatever God in his generosity gives us in his infinite self is much more than our finite beings can handle. So there's a natural overflow that flows out to everyone around us, and that is not a burdensome way of living. Galatians 5 tells us what the fruit of the Spirit is, the evidence of God's Spirit. In other words, the evidence of God's presence. This is what it will look like if God is in your midst. If you're looking for Him, these are the signs that God is there. Love, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, peace, joy faithfulness, self-control. These are the qualities of God's character. And I think a lot of us think of them as a to-do list. Mm -hmm. These are the things I must do. I must love. I must be joyous. Like we're pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps to be loving. God says, no, this is who I am and I give myself to you. So spiritual direction is simply us learning to live out of the overflow of all of who God is, his love, joy, all of that. Live out of that overflow. That's a wonderful thing. 
It's a beautiful thing. It's powerful. And when we practice spiritual direction, being a spiritual director for someone else is helping them become more aware of God's presence in each moment. So really, spiritual direction is about being present to God's presence in the present. Um, For me, the scripture that really comes to mind in that is, today is the day of salvation. I've heard that so many times throughout my years of following Jesus. But that's really profound. I don't think I've ever meditated on it. I've never really thought about it. But when I do, it's like, wait, that's everything. There's other scripture in the Old Testament, especially that says the Lord is in my salvation. You know, and when I first came to faith, what did I do? I accepted Jesus, right? I accepted who Jesus was, what he did for me. And I think so many of us at times think of that as I did that. I accepted Jesus. But doesn't it change our frame of reference when we really meditate on the fact of what that scripture is saying today is the day of salvation? Not 30 years ago as it was for me. Not even yesterday. We never have yesterday and we will never have tomorrow. Never. Tomorrow never comes. (laughs) Right? Because it's always tomorrow. All we have is today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where I recognize the Lord is my salvation and I accept him. I accept who he is to me. I accept what he has for me. And that is an ongoing practice that we're all called to live in because all we have is today. And that is spiritual direction. It comes down to John 1, 12, as it always does with me. For those who received him, For those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. What does it look like to operate as a child of God today? To keep receiving him, to keep accepting him. Accepting Jesus isn't a one-time deal. It is a moment-by-moment thing. Will you accept all of who he is to you? Love, joy, patience. Will you accept that? Why is everyone pursuing money, fame, and power? That's what everyone's after, right? We have this idea that If we have more power and we have more money, we'll be able to rest and relax. If we have more fame, we'll be more accepted. We're striving outwardly for things to find internal realities. When God says, I'm all you need, I'm your peace, I'm your love. Today is the day of salvation. The more we accept him, the more we have that love and peace and joy and power. And so there's the invitation is, will you look for me? I'm thinking of a specific person who was telling me, they're like, I really struggle with having a quiet time with doing that, you know, and there's that sense of obligation that goes with it. And I was thinking about it, I'm like, I get it, I do, because that for years was how I lived as far as that went. It's like, oh, it was another thing to check off the list. You have to do this to be a good Christian. And I was thinking about the Saturday mornings, or sometimes the Saturday days, as it's turned into a lot of the times that I've been taking lately and borrowing your lower porch and spending time with God. And and I was thinking about it, and I was like, if you told me two months ago I was going to do that, I would have said you were crazy because it seemed like a chore. It didn't seem like it was going to be a, oh, this is fun and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, this is how I want to spend my one day off. I have no commitments on. And the first one that happened, first off, God was like, okay, put your phone away. Not not in a, oh, I was using it for bad stuff. I wasn't. But I was looking at the time 
all the time for like the first like probably three or four hours. Seeing how long you had left or how long... Yeah, because I had given myself a tentative ending time. But I just remember like once once I put the phone down and I had brought a few things with me because one of the things God says, he's like, I want you to bring your camera and I want you to bring your guitar. Hmm. I don't get it, but sure, why not? And one of the first things he did after the three hour mark when he finally kind of shut me down, he's like, grab your camera, go out, walk, do what we used to do. And I hadn't done that for a long time. I used to spend a lot of time when I was at Youth With a Mission, especially the first time I went. That was how I did a lot of my quiet times. And I'd kind of forgotten about it, was I would just take the camera, go out, be in God's creation, and I would feel God's presence so strongly when I was doing that. Behind the camera? Yeah, which most people, you would think, it's like, oh, you're hiding behind the camera. But for me, looking through the lens let me see things differently. Mm. Looking through the lens of the camera, because then I'm looking for the small things, the different things, the changing of light, the changing of colors, all these different little things that we walk past every single day. There's so many people that love landscape photos and all that stuff, and I love the way it looks, but it's not where my heart's at. My heart's always been to find the little things that we walk past and don't see. Mm. So God's like, go do that. First I was like, oh, you're being really weird again, God. He's like, I know, but you love it, so go. (laughs) You know, so I go out, and it totally changed. He's like, put your... He was like, put your phone in your pocket. Don't look at it. This is going to take as long as it takes. I was like, oh, I have no idea how long it's been, but I don't care. Because the second I started looking through the lens and started finding the stuff, I started more clearly sensing God's presence and his invitation to just be present in that moment. Instead of worrying about how long it was taking or, you know, how hot it was. (laughs) Because uh, San Luis is a little hot for my liking. As a general rule... I live on the coast for a reason. And then coming back, I'd brought a few books, you know, to read. And all of a sudden I looked up, I'm like, uh, it's like four o'clock in the afternoon. I think I had gotten to your house at like mm, 7.30 or 8 in the morning. Wow. I had no idea where the day had gone. Right. (laughs) And I was like, God, this was really cool. Can we do this again? I think I've only missed two Saturdays since then. Yeah, it's been... Pretty consistent. Yes. And there's been some hard ones that haven't been as much fun. More struggle. More struggle, but it's become something I look forward to. That invitation, I mean, I think it was last last Saturday, the Saturday before, God's like, no, you can stay home and rest, you need sleep. But other than that, like, it stopped being an obligation. I've mostly stopped looking at my phone for the time, and I wouldn't trade that time for the world. Mm. I think the reason I love it so much is is because it became playing with God. But it took God changing my lens. He's like, this is what I love doing with you, kiddo. We're spending the day together. Because he's like, this is what you did as a kid. He's like, do you remember what you did as a kid before everything in the family got crazy enough that you felt the need to hide as much? He's like, you went out in nature. You played. You pretended. You built forts. You sang. All that stuff you stopped doing when life became too hard. And he's like, what do we do? We're on the porch. I sing. I write. I do, you know, I do artistic things. I do all the things I did as a kid. Well, except for the tree fort building, because at 37, I think I might be finely too old for that. <laughs> hey, I think I built my last tree fort at 24, so uh, mm-hmm. I uh, took a little longer than most to grow out of that one. 
you know, so he's like, look, we're just playing together. And a lot of the times, the invitation, he's like, he's like, I enjoy you. It's like, why don't you come, come enjoy me? Be yourself. I'm not asking you to be anything else. That's been really fun. And I was just thinking about it because I know we get all these checklists in our head of what we have to do. And like you're saying, obligation versus invitation. We just get stuck in that mindset of, oh, it's just another thing we have to do. Either because we feel like we're supposed to or because we've got an accountability person who we don't want to lie to. (laughs) We will if we have to. Right. But I think, like you were saying, it's not God's heart for us. Yeah. You know, you talk about going back to when you were younger and being like a child again. And I mean, how many times did Jesus present a child in (laughs) front of of people and say, hey, this is what it looks like to be the greatest in the kingdom. This is how you are to operate, like a child. And it makes me think back to our lives reflecting the garden. Mm. Adam and Eve lived like children, innocent. They were innocent. They weren't perfect. They They were pure at that time. They weren't perfect because perfect means complete. Mm not mature, not lacking anything, as James 1 says. They weren't mature. They were innocent. And in their naivete, even though God warned them, they listened to the lies of the enemy and believed him, and it shattered that innocence. So there's this pattern, right, Mm -hmm. of innocence, innocence shattered, and then God restoring them. Back to innocence, but scarred mature, innocent, scarred a bit smarter, and then bringing them back to a a trust in him again with the scars. This is the life we all live. We mirror that same journey. Every one of us starts off life not perfect and not without sin, but we have this pure innocence. And then that innocence meets the world. The world touches that and it gets shattered. And then God's call is to bring us back not go back to naive innocence, but to move forward into a mature innocence, to see things through God's eyes, through his completeness and his innocence again. So there's an analogy in that, you know, that looking through the lens of the camera, like you said, when you look through the lens, what do you look for? I'm looking for the things that get overlooked. Yeah, There again is that idea of invitation, that God has placed gifts for us to find every day. Mm -hmm. I've said this so many times, that every day is like an Easter egg hunt. I always imagine what it would be like if a foreigner from another country came to a Western country that knew nothing about Easter eggs or Easter egg hunt and observed parents hiding these eggs filled with treats from their kids, right? Like the plastic eggs filled with stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And and even toys and things, right? What would they think, you know? Would they be thinking, how cruel are these parents, you know? (laughs) Hiding these things from their kids. In reality, what those parents are doing is, is anticipating joy Mm -hmm. the joy that this is going to bring to their kids so what they're doing is they're not hiding things from their kids they're hiding things for their kids and the entire atmosphere is joy 
the parents are enjoying the prospect of, of anticipating the joy the kids are going to have. And then when it happens, the parents are enjoying the kids. They're enjoying the kids' enjoyment. That's the invitation that God has for us every day. I've hidden things for you to find so that you will enjoy me enjoying you. It's joy. It's an atmosphere of joy. That's the life that God has for us. That's the invitation. And he wants us to look through a different lens and, and see the things we've been missing. You know, it's funny to me that even in movies today, a lot of these movies, especially Marvel movies, the Star Wars movies, those kind of, you know, kind of nerdy movies I like, <laughs> God is displaying his character through these directors and producers, and they don't even realize it that they are hiding little nuggets for the fans of those movies to find. If you look behind the actors on the scene, yeah. there's things and people <laughs> hidden there, right, that reference other things, right? I, I think of Ready Player One. That's a big movie with a lot of Easter eggs in it, yeah. right? They call them Easter eggs. Yeah. And I probably just said it because it's what they call them. They call them Easter eggs. <laughs> I think my favorite has to be Hercules, where he's at one point someone's wearing Scar's pelt. <laughs> oh, cracks wow. me up every time. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> right after you know, because then you think back, you're like, wait, Zazu's all like, he'd make a nice fur rug. <laughs> really, that's this this invitation. We have to s switch lenses and see yeah. the things we're missing and move from the lens of obligation to the lens of invitation. And the way we do that simply is by asking. That's the beautiful thing about this, is God is not expecting us to figure it out. He is just simply asking us to ask him. These gifts come through asking. Every morning I sit and I ask God to give me a gift or invitation for that day. Yeah. Like that's part of my practice. I ask, as I'm reading scripture, I read it three times and I ask him the first time I read through the same passage, I ask him, what is it you want to highlight? What verse, what word, what phrase in this passage I'm reading? Then I read the passage and I look for that, write it down. Sit with it even if it takes time for me to, to process what jumped out at me. Sometimes I don't notice. Sometimes I'll read through a passage and I'll stop and I'll reread like a verse over and over a couple times and now I'm thinking about it. And then I'll go read through the rest of the passage and I'll go, so what's jumping out at me? And I don't even notice that I stopped, right? And and I'm thinking about that oh, particular thing. And they're done that. Yeah. And it takes me a while, like, hey, wait, didn't I stop over this? Didn't I <laughs> didn't I stop and look at this and think about it? And now isn't it sparking my thought process? I think that's the the word God wants to highlight. But then the second time I go through it, I read it and I ask God, What is my my emotional response? How am I feeling? And I and I know I can deceive myself, like especially if it's negative emotions, mm. I'll overwrite them or ignore them and, and put a different emotion over the top of those and say, oh, this is how I'm feeling, and just bury that. Or I'm in a hurry, and I'll just pick an emotion because <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to take the time to be still with it. But it's a reason why whenever I do that part, I always say, God, what am I really feeling? Like, make it clear to me. And then the third time is, God, what's your gift or invitation for me today? And so I, I'm just thinking of today as, as I'm talking. Hmm. 
sometimes they're really short, but today's was kind of a long one. And I was in uh, I was in Matthew 10, where Jesus in, invites a rich young ruler to give up all of his riches and follow him. And the scripture that jumped out to me out to me in that one was, it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And then his disciples say, you know, it says they were exceedingly astonished. Then who can be saved? Because if we're if we're not rich, we want to be rich, right? <laughs> so if that if it's difficult for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of God, and we all want to be rich, like how how can any of us be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, "For human beings, it is impossible, but not for God. All things are possible for God." And that's the NABRE version. So as I was asking, okay, what's the invitation in that? That was that was grabbing my attention, and this is what the gift or invitation that God had for me. I, I label it like that every day. What is your gift or your invitation for me today? And this is what I heard him say to me as I was writing this out. He said, do you see how easy I am making things for you? Do you see how easy I am making things for you? You don't have to carry much. In fact, you just have to give your burdens to me. Let me carry everything that feels so impossible for you. As you do, you will stay present to where I am, and I will give you every next step right as you need it. For I am your way forward, and I make the impossible become possible. This is what it looks like to live in the immediacy of the moment, just like little children do. And this is who you are, my beloved child. Powerful. Powerful. Basically, to me... Obligation or invitation can come down to one question, faith or fear. Mm. Another word for faith these days for me is confidence. Do I trust God? Am I confident in who he says he is, that he is love and joy and faithfulness and goodness and self-control? He is my self-control, is my faithfulness. He is all those things. If I am confident that God is my faithfulness, then what do I have to be worried about in the day? And why, and why can't I just slow down and relax and look for what he's giving me? You know, and that's the lens that you're talking about. That kind of confidence brings a whole different way of operating. I don't have to strive today to make ends meet. Like my family growing up, it always felt like we were on the, always on the verge of not having what we needed. Mm. That we had to scramble and strive and fight for everything and rather than, you know, living out of who God made us to be, we lived out of what we thought we needed to do to survive. That's to me, is the difference between obligation and invitation. God invites us to thrive. Go back to what God said on the patio. Bring your guitar and bring your camera. Yeah. And that's who you are to God. You're your unique personhood, right? You're an artist. You are... You are a creative. You have an eye and an ear for things. And God says, let's spend the time together in the way that I made you. (laughs) That's thriving and that's invitation. Okay, God's inviting me to be me. And he's inviting me to relate to him out of who I am. That's going to look different from other people. I don't have to follow what other people do, right? Yeah. And their connection with God. I can learn from other people. I can observe and see what people I really respect. What are they doing? 
But I can also just go to God with my questions that I don't understand, mystery, and go, God, I don't know who I am, and I don't know how I really, how I operate, you know, with you. So what, what does it look like for me to thrive in this relationship? What does it look like for me to engage with you and who I am uniquely? I find that oftentimes that question is answered best by paying attention to the negative things I believe about myself, mm -hmm. the negative identity statements that I believe about me. And we've talked about this in a previous podcast, right? The enemy is not creative. He takes <laughs> what God says about us and he completely flips it to be the opposite. So like one of the things that you have believed about yourself was that you're insignificant, not important. Mm -hmm. And God says the opposite. Kim, you are significant. You are so important, right? Yeah. One of the things that I believed about myself for years, and other people would agree, and it's being borne out in this podcast, is that I'm a talker. And what God has revealed to me in recent years is that he sees me this way through Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. And Isaiah says of himself, and I'm going to loosely translate it, basically Isaiah says... I am one who is like one being taught. Mm -hmm. I have a well-instructed tongue so that with a word I can sustain the weary. Morning by morning, I listen. I have an ear to listen and be instructed so that I have a well-instructed tongue. And God said, this is how I see you, that you are a listener. You listen well to my voice. You know what that means, Kurt? You're a prophet. Because that's what a prophet does. A prophet is someone who listens for the word of God and then shares that with other people so that they can be encouraged and sustained in their weariness. A prophet is simply someone who listens well to God and to people. And all my life, the enemy was telling me I was the opposite. I was a talker. And I believe that. And I, am very, I, I know I can talk a lot, right? But that's not who I am. I am a listener. And then out of that excitement, I share. But I'm also learning and accepting more of who I am. And that gift or invitation in that identity statement is come and listen. Come and listen to my voice and let me encourage you. And when I do that, when I take that invitation, I live out of the overflow and I share it with other people. And I listen to what God's saying to, to me and to them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know from experience that that is definitely a gift you have. You know, you're one of the people I generally feel most heard by. Mm. You know, I, I definitely can affirm that in you because I've experienced it. You're great at listening and asking the questions and then sitting back and occasionally laughing when I hem and haw and, you know, <laughs> avoid and twitch and do all my little quirks that come with not always being the most comfortable talking. It's like we actually had the opposite words spoken over us. You were called a talker. I was called silent. Mm -hmm. So I'm learning to talk and you're learning to listen. Mm. Look at that. What a great <laughs> friendship. <laughs> yeah. You know, we might be slightly biased on that one, but... <laughs>
It is. It. I mean, who better than two people struggling with the opposite identity problems to be friends? Because it means you get to learn to listen, I get to learn to speak, and we rub off on each other. And isn't that what God calls us to do? He says iron sharpens iron. Mm-hmm. You know, we're meant to strengthen each other. We're not meant to do this alone. Despite our <laughs> general preference for trying to, because, you know, it feels easier in the moment to try to struggle alone. And really, it, you just wind up exhausted. Yeah, that is the, the path of obligation. Yeah. Exhaustion, weariness. Because we're striving, we're striving for God's love rather than living from God's love. And that is the difference between invitation and obligation, right? Mm. It really is a picture of what you've experienced going out on the patio for six to nine hours on these Saturdays. It seems like it would be obligation. Yeah. We tend to think of things in big chunks. Like, we look at the whole picture of where we want to end up. And if we look at it like that, it's super easy to get overwhelmed. Because it's it's way too big for us. I mean, even if you think, like, I can't spend 20 minutes doing a quiet time. That feels like too much. Multiple days of the week is too much. Okay, well, let's let's break it down into smaller chunks. Can you do five minutes one day a week? To start off with, five minutes one day a week, that's nothing. And, you know, and as an Enneagram 9, getting overwhelmed by the idea of things is pretty easy to do. I remember even the first time I'm like, okay, God, well, as long as I get at least two hours out here, and then I don't have to do this again for another two or three months, was how I started out looking at it. I think too often we want to already be at the finish line. I had a couple friends that did cross country for a little bit uh, in high school, and they're like, you don't start thinking about where you're going to end up. If you do that, you're exhausted and defeated before you get there. You have to take it one step or one minute at a time, because otherwise you're never going to start. You know, And I think that's, that's probably the invitation that we need, a lot of us need to start with. Is something small, something easy. They say the same thing if you're going to start exercising again. You know, start off with something small that doesn't feel overwhelming. A lot of the times you're so excited by what you did, that then you're like, well, I know I said I was only going to do this once a week, but this was kind of fun, so let's, let's do another day. And it gradually builds up till it's a habit. Mm-hmm. You know, habits start that one little step, that one little five-minute increment at a time. The scripture that comes to mind is taste and see that the Lord is good. There's that invitation. Taste and see how good I am. And it'll begin to change your diet. (laughs) It'll change your diet from, you know, feeding off of obligation to feeding off of God, the invitation of God's love and all of who he is to you. It goes right back into who he made us to be. He made us to be people who are finite who live only in this moment because that's part of being finite all we have is this moment jesus said it right blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven you know when we recognize that we are finite and accept that then we're open to accepting jesus and what he has for us and what the lord has for us in this day let's be honest that's our bit one of our biggest problems we fight 
hard against accepting our finiteness. Mm. And if we're finite that and God is infinite, that means we can't, we cannot experience all of who God is for us in one blast. It would kill us. I, I've said this, you know, just recently. It's like, I, if God's love is, is infinite, that's like the power of a million, billion, trillion suns. If God showed up in all of who he was, in all of his infinite love for us, and displayed it all in one moment to us, we would evaporate in the glory, right? And this is the beauty of the fruit of the Spirit. One of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. God knows what we can handle, and he holds back and restrains all of his love to give us just what we can handle in that moment, in that day. So this is the beauty of every day being an invitation. Every day, in every moment, I'm in a different place and I need an aspect, of, a different aspect of God than what I might have needed 10 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. I can't handle it all at once. But if I accept that, and that's the point, if I really accept that I'm poor in spirit and I'm finite, mm-hmm. then I can just be here knowing that God is a God of self-control and giving me only what I need. I think it was Jeff Caliguire, my Mm -hmm. life coach, who was on just recently on an episode that said, you know, some people tell you the truth and they say, I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. You know, and they they wrap their desire to brutalize people Mm. and the desire in the words of I'm just being honest, quote, Mm. this is air quotes, yeah. But reality is that they have they lack self-control. To say the right thing in the right tone with the right heart at the right moment. That's self-control. And that's what God is always doing with us. He's always holding back everything but what we need. And sometimes that love looks like withholding things we think we want, right? I want to know what's going on. And God's like, no. My not telling you what's going on is actually protecting you. Because if you knew what was really going on, if I had pulled back that curtain right now and showed you, you would be so terrified you'd run screaming in the hills like a fifth grade school girl. <laughs> uh-huh. This is the beautiful honesty of John the Baptist. He had this perspective when his disciples came and said, Hey, that guy Jesus is baptizing more people than you. And they're comparing. Mm-hmm. And John says... A man only has what has been given to him from heaven. Oh my gosh, what if we lived moment by moment in that invitation, that heaven really, like in that confidence that God is inviting us into this moment and he has whatever we need for this moment. And if we don't have what we think we need, then it just isn't the right time. When we're talking about the fighting and all that, and having self-control, it's sometimes realizing in the finiteness that we can't be everything to everyone. Mm. We can't do everything. And I was thinking, because I think I told you about it one of our, at one of our Sunday night prayer meetings, about this little wooden plaque that I got recently, because it cracked me up. It says, you can't make everyone happy, you're not a taco. <laughs> I mean, it's funny, but it's true. You're not meant to be anything other than you. It's the only thing you can carry. And it's accepting limitations. One of the things that I just quoted recently is 
you ought to stop playing God because you are not good at it and the position is taken. Yeah. And that is the acceptance of our finiteness. That's the really the critical thing to move out of obligation into invitation really comes down to this acceptance that I am finite, God is infinite, and he will give me just what I need in each moment. In that finiteness, there's an invitation to allow God to clothe us in his infiniteness. And his infinite love and his infinite patience and an infinite kindness and joy and peace and self-control, faithfulness and goodness, all of that. He's like, this is who I am and I just, just let me clothe you. My first boss, like in ministry, mm. my first boss in ministry, I came to him and I was like, okay, so what's my assignment? Like, I'd never been in vocational ministry. And not only was I in vocational ministry, I was supervisor for two other guys. <laughs> so I moved from a volunteer serving yeah. in ministry to now being vocationally, a, 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 you know, a minister and a supervisor all at once. And I'm like, so what's my assignment? And what do I do with these guys? And he's like, here's your assignment. I want you to get to know them so well and be so close to them that it's like you're wearing each other's clothes. <laughs> I was like, I can do that. And that's God's invitation to us. When we admit we're finite, then we have a clear picture of God's invitation. Let me clothe myself around you. Let me just hold you. And let me be so close to you that it's like you're wearing me as clothes. Wow, that's confidence. You know, that God literally says, I'm so close to you. It's like you're wearing me as clothes. And all I want you to do is change your perspective mm. to see it. Because it's already true. That's the reality. This is truly who God is and who we are. We're his beloved. He's our love. And he is clothing us in all of who he is. And when we refuse to accept our finiteness, we fight against that. We live out of a fantasy. And when we don't accept that as reality and, and we choose to believe a fantasy, then we feel empty and distant and need something else to feel better. And what do we turn to? Huh. More fantasy, huh. right? We go pursue something to make us feel better about ourselves that never will. Weird how we always manage to do that. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. We all run. Run or hide or both. Yeah. With the one being who uh, is everywhere at the same time. Mm -hmm. Worst game of hide and seek ever. Because you're never actually lost. No. But also the best. Because <laughs> you're never lost. That's true. It's just a matter of a shift in perspective. It is. It is seeing through the lens and seeing the things we're missing, as you said it. That analogy of the camera that God gave you is perfect. That's it right there. Yeah. And that is his invitation. Will you just, will you let me show you? Will you ask? And I think it's so cool that, you know, Jesus said, for those who keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, they will continue to have, they will continue to find, and they will continue to have the door opened for them. The next thing will be revealed. The door will be opened. You will find. You will have. And I love that ask, seek, knock is really the word when you 
put it, take the first letter of each of those words, those three words that Jesus <laughs> told us to, ask, seek, knock, they spell ask. It's all about asking God to do this for us. Accept your finiteness and ask. And I will clothe you in who I am and all my completeness. That is the journey from innocence to innocence shattered to innocence restored in maturity. That's the journey of Adam and Eve. It is the journey of all of us through Jesus, the second Adam. The invitation is there anyway. Well, thanks, Kurt. Man, it's always good. Obviously, I enjoy doing this with you. Or, you know, <laughs> We've been invited to. Yeah, it's a good invitation. Um, but since this was your idea, why don't you close us out in prayer? Mm-hmm. God, thank you that you offer us the lens of invitation to see everything through your eyes, that you really are inviting us into a joyous journey with you. You are not asking us to walk in drudgery and obligation and begrudging obedience. I think of the words you wrote through the Apostle Paul that says, the love of Christ compels me, compels me. That is passion born of invitation. That is not obligation. He is not obligated. He is compelled. And any obligation he feels is because he has accepted your invitation. That's beautiful. God, I bless everyone listening to this with a shift of perspective to join Kim in looking through the divine camera lens and seeing the things they're missing. Moving from living and striving and working for your love to living and thriving and working from your love. I bless them with awareness and acceptance of your presence, your perspective, your power, your peace, your protection, your provision, and your purpose for them, and the right people, the godly influencers, friends, and spiritual directors, and counselors, therapists, teachers, accountability partners, the people of peace who need them, the people for them to invest in. I bless them with all of those things, those people. And I, I bless them and the power and authority that you've given us as your beloved children through Jesus, your blood, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Uh, thanks, Kurt. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for being willing to go on the journey with me. Anytime. Till next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Life Hurts, God Heals. Before you go, let me ask you a question. Are you stuck in any way in your life? Whether it's being stuck in past wounds that you can't seem to get over, or whether it's just being stuck in certain patterns of thinking and behaving now that you just can't seem to get past, or you feel stuck when it comes to the future, you want to know what God has for you and how to move into that. Well, let me help you with that. As a coach, my goal is to help you discover who God made you to be. What is your unique identity? Let me help you discover that because everything else you want out of life flows from that. If you're interested in having a consultation with me, you can reach me at coachkurt777 at gmail.com. Until next time, remember... You are God's beloved, so be loved.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.